What up, what up, what up, y'all? Hey, it's Allie again. Hi, thanks for being here. So apparently some of y'all have found me from the podcast app. I didn't even know that that was a thing. So if you're finding me because I'm a suggested podcast or you were searching, um, hi, hello, how you doing? Come tell me over on IG at Allie Griffith. I honestly just thought this was me shooting the shit with my best friends that already followed me on Instagram. I didn't even fathom other people off of the interweb finding me. It's kind of insane to me. So if you are one of those few brave souls that braved this podcast without any prerequisite to knowing who I am. First off, you deserve a fucking medal because I'm a lot to handle and usually people get acclimated over time to me and you just got thrown in the motherfucking deep end. So congratulations. You deserve a medal. Speaking of medals, what are we going to talk about today on the Be That Bitch podcast? We are going to talk about me and my marathon experience over this weekend, y'all. I ran 26 point two fucking miles y'all yeah 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 I still can't believe I am saying that especially if you listen to my last episode hearing my entire running journey hearing where I've come from how I've gotten to this point my history with running all that stuff it still to this day baffles me that I run, but it even baffles me more that I ran 26.2 miles because a motherfucker couldn't have paid me enough a year and a half ago to sign up for a 5k, let alone a marathon. Like, let's be real. So I'm still soaking up all the pre-race glory that comes with it and the feelings and all that. But I really wanted to just kind of do a race recap. And then I asked y'all on Instagram if you had any questions about the marathon and you bitches came deep. Y'all had so many questions. I was amazed by it. Um, and so I'm going to answer some of y'all's questions. We're just going to shoot the shit. Hopefully we'll keep this short, sweet and to the point. But if you know me, I get a little hot and heavy sometimes. So that's probably not going to happen. So hopefully you're away from the kiddos. This is playing in your ears, not on the car speaker, because I've already probably dropped the fuck bomb multiple times. So, you know, we're just going to roll with it. Also, don't forget We always have the challenge. Anytime I say a cuss word, you take a swig of water. Because remember, what are we? A hydrated bitch is a happy bitch. Okay, so let's talk about the marathon. So for those of y'all that don't know, I ran the rock and roll marathon in Nashville on Saturday. Um, And this was my very, very, very first marathon I've ever ran. Um, It's the very first big race I've ever done. Also the first race I've ever traveled to. So it's a first for a lot. Um, And it was Saturday, April 23rd, 2022. If you're watching the recording of this or listening to the recording of this. And so you know, traveling there was already a lot. The pre-race jitters were insane. I was anxious. I was all the things. And I really want to paint like the entire picture for y'all. So I think, you know, going into it also counts as, as the race goes on. So anyways, go driving there. I was pre-race jitters, everything. I drove the whole way, listened to my audiobook, just tried to focus. Um, also can anybody agree with me that fucking the city sucks? Like I, You could not pay me enough to live in a city. If I have to wait longer than two freaking turns to go from a red light, that is way too much for me. Hell, if I have to wait through one whole red light because I missed it, that's too much for me. Like one way roads and traffic and horns and people and loud music and crowds. I just, I can't do it. I just, I just can't. So I was already on edge because I hate this city. I was literally in the city for 10 minutes, could not find where to do bib pickup. We were already running late. So I was anxious because of that. And I was just like cursing. It was putting me in a bad mood and I was trying really hard to control because I don't know if any of you guys know this, but the marathon, running a marathon really is like 80% your mindset and 20% your ability. Our body, are fucking wildly capable of doing so much crazy shit, so much crazy shit that we don't even know is possible. That is our mind that takes the convincing. And so here my mind was already going to the gutter. Um, But I finally got to my bib check, our big pickup, picked my bib up, took some, you know, 
photos with the 26.2 sign, all the things, and then went back to the room. Um, We went and had supper that night. I have this freaking religious thing that I have to do before every single race and I have to eat a steak and a baked potato. Don't ask me why. It's just like my pre-race fuel. It's what I do every time and it proves to work. So we don't fuck with a thing that's working. You know what I mean? So I went and had supper and then went back to the hotel room and went to sleep. I woke up the morning of the marathon um, late, I might add. I thought I set my alarm and it seemed I turned my alarm on. That was for my weekday, not weekend. So luckily my husband woke up um, and I got ready. We headed to the marathon. Y'all, when I tell you this race was so fucking packed, it was insane. There was 17,000 runners at this event. There was four distances that they did during the whole event. So they did a 5k, they did a uh, 10k, they did a half marathon, and they did the marathon. So they had four different distances all going at the same time on the same. So it was really, it was a clusterfuck. Let me start by saying that it was a complete clusterfuck. They had cones going all this different directions. They didn't have signs. All they had was arrows. And I didn't even realize they had arrows until I was on mile like 18. And I was like, oh shit, they actually have arrows. So that shows you how oblivious I am, but we'll get there. So anyways, it was a clusterfuck. They had, you know, people going in very which way. It took, you know, of course they had different corrals. So the corrals are where you place depending on how fast you're going to run. So I was all the way in the back because a bitch is slow. So I was in corral 10. It took me almost an hour to even leave the start line from the start of the race, which had my anxiety at a whole another level. Like when I tell you I was just like twitchy, anxious, like stressed, unbelievably, it was an understatement because, you know, there's nothing like the the anxiety that you get standing at the start line and that you have to stand at the start line for almost an hour. It's just all of this anxiety builds up and it can either be really good or really bad. And for me, for the first 13 point one miles, the first half marathon, it was really good. I met a friend on the start line and we kind of paced each other. We were about the same, you know, speed. I was wanting to go off the line slow based on what I was talking with my coach. Um, we all, we suggested, you know, all right, go out conservatively so you can pick it up the second half. And that was my goal. And I was like, okay, well, I got this. So I went out at like a 12 minute mile very conservatively for me. And it felt really freaking good. The first mile blew by, like it flew by and I didn't even realize it, (laughs) it had came and gone. Um, and the second and the third mile were about the same. The fourth mile was like our big first hill. And that one caught me a little by surprise, but I went with the method of, all right, Allie, you're going to speed walk the hills and run the flats, speed walk the hills and run the flats. And it was working really good. My miles even even were picking up at some points I was doing, you know, 11 minute miles to 11 and a half minute miles. Um, but staying anywhere between the 12 to 11 minute miles, which was, you know, the goal the entire time for the first half marathon. And then I was going to evaluate and pick it up from there. Um, and so, you know, we're at mile four and I'm running conservatively. I'm feeling really good. I am into my audiobook. I'm listening to this book. It was listening to this book called Credence. And y'all, it was so good. 10 out of 10 recommend. It is kind of fucked up, not going to lie. But, you know, sometimes listening to kinky fucked up books while I run helps me not think about the agony and the pain that I'm in. Um, especially because, y'all, this course was very hilly. Um, very, 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 very hilly, which, you know, is not lost on me that Nashville is the, the, what is it? Hill country or some shit. So I get that, you know, that should have been a, a prerequisite and an obvious for me, but it wasn't, but it was very hilly. Um, so anyways, we got through the first 5k really easy. We got through the first 10k pretty easy. And as we were approaching the half marathon, that's when shit went down quick, fast, and in a fucking hurry. Things were escalating quickly. So of course the half marathon, so about at a mile 11, 
is where they had the half marathon people and the marathon people going in separate directions. The cones were getting crazy because the marathon and the half marathoners, we all went off at the same time. So we, of course, were breaking up at a certain time so the half marathoners could finish and the marathoners kept going. Um, And so around mile 12, 11, 12, yeah, mile 11 ish, 12 and a half um, is when all that happens, happened, the breaking up and all that. And so I was already confused with all the cones and stuff like that, but I was really in my zone. I was feeling so fucking good, y'all. When I tell you my heart rate was in the easy zone the entire first half marathon, I was feeling unstoppable. It was amazing. The atmosphere was great. There was fucking music. There was bands on every which way. There was so many pedestrians holding up signs. Um, You know, there was water guns shooting us because it was the hottest fucking day in Nashville history. It was like 80 degrees at 10 a.m. It was hot as balls. So they had like water guns squirting us. They had, you know, water hoses. They had everything. And so I was just in my zone. I was feeling the energy. I was feeling all of that. And I guess somewhere along the way, before I got to the half marathon point, I got lost because before I realize it, I'm running. So I guess my only thing I can think of is the course has you going one way to do like a loop at the beginning um, for two miles and then running through the stadium. So they have like their Nashville baseball stadium and we actually ran through that. Um, And I guess I missed where you veer off to go to the loop for the mile uh 12 checkpoint and mile 13 checkpoint and I went ahead and went in the stadium um because again I was listening to my book I was in the zone not realizing and everything was just a clusterfuck right here with all the cones and all of that ran around the stadium was feeling great and all of a sudden I see mile 15 and I'm like what the fuck I'm not on mile 15 yet I looked down at my watch and sure enough I'm only at mile 12.2 and so in that point I get deflated. I get deflated. I get anxious. I get nervous. I'm starting to freak the fuck out because I missed a checkpoint, right? You got, you got to have your certain checkpoints throughout the race with your bib for them to tally up your times and all that shit. And I had a lot of you guys, you know, tracking me. So anyways, I missed that 13.1 checkpoint. And all I could think in my head was, what the fuck did you just do, Allie? Like what just happened? How did you get lost? How did this happen? When or what are you going to do? Maybe you should go back. But I didn't even know where to go back at because the cones were all crazy. And by the time I realized it, I was almost a mile already in the other direction. And so in that moment, I had to decide. I'm like, Allie, well, you can either keep going and try to make it up somewhere else or you can go backwards. And I phoned a friend. And that's the best thing about having a running coach is mid-race, you phone them, they're there. Um, So I phoned my running coach and I was freaking out. I was hyperventilating. I was running. I was trying to keep going. Um, And I told her, I was like, I'm fucked. Like, I I missed a checkpoint. This race isn't even going to count. I'm freaking out. Like, I don't want to not make this. Like, I, I was just going worst case scenario. And y'all, that's the worst thing to do when you still have, you know, 11 miles left in a marathon um so my mind was going away like my mindset was going straight to panic mode I was freaking out um and she said Allie there's nothing you can do right now at this point you've just got to keep running and you can make it up you know after you finish the start finish like go through the finish line you can turn around and make up those miles or you know you can figure out a way to make them up right because eventually I'm not like not doing it was not an option. Like not running 26.2 miles, excuse me, y'all, was not an option. Like it just, it wasn't an option for me. And so in that moment I was like, all right, Allie, we just got to figure it out. So I kept running and my times were all fucked up. The checkpoints were all fucked up. Everything was all fucked up. And I was really trying hard to get outside of my head, to think about how this could still turn out good how i can still do better but once your mind goes to like that fucked up place where you're just in a dark place it can be really 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 hard to pull yourself out and so i was like all right we need to do a quick 
switch. So I turned my podcast off, turned some music on and I, or not my podcast, my audiobook, and turned my music on and I just kept running. And I was like, all right, Allie, we can either fold like a fucking deck of cards or we can buck up and show up. And y'all know that's my favorite saying, right? Like you can either fold like a deck of cards or you can buck up and show up. And knowing how hard I worked for this moment, knowing that the goal at the end was 26.2 miles, whether it would, you know, disqualify me or not from the official records, my goal was to run 26.2 miles. It was to run a marathon. And I had to keep my eye on that goal. And I had to keep my eye on the fact that all I can do is move forward. Like quitting is just not an option. And so I kept running and I was getting back in a flow. It updated my time again. So I was feeling, I was feeling good. I was like, maybe, you know, I didn't fuck up too bad. I started running every time I got up to a parking lot, I would veer off course and I would run the parking lot to try to make up the, it was like a mile and a half that I was off. Um, and so I would, every time there was a parking lot, veer, run the parking lot, get back on course, beer, run the parking lot and get back on course. In hindsight, I'm fucking proud of myself for that. I am fucking proud of myself for having that determination and that pure grit to say, you said you were going to do this. We're doing this and we're going to make up the time regardless of how we're doing it. We're making it up. And so the fact that I went over and beyond to run parking lots, I feel like speaks just a lot, not only to, you know, how dedicated I was to getting that marathon in. But I also feel like, you know, it was an integritous move, right? Like I didn't want to quote unquote finish the marathon at 24 miles or 25 miles. Like I had to finish that marathon at 26.2 miles. Like going over that finish line less than that and making it up after was just not an option for me. I knew once I got that medal handed to me, I wanted to know that I earned it. And so I ran parking lots. Um, there, then we get to a park. So on mile 19, you go into this park in Nashville and they have you run it for a few miles. So here's where things get even more fucked. The signs are confusing AF. So this course is just a clusterfuck. And a big question I've gotten so far is, would I run this again? Absolutely not. Not over any part of me will never run this series again. We'll run this race again in Nashville. It was just too confusing. It took too much awareness. And y'all, if I wanted to be an aware full runner, I would be a fucking trail runner. Like I would be running trails. I don't, I am like the most unaware person when it comes to running. I like to zone out. I like to be there and, you know, be in the run and not have to focus on all of these small, tedious things. So anyways, when you get into this park, you have to do a fucking loop. So it's like a loop-de-loop. So there's a two-part loop. And I didn't realize that the signs would be so misleading. So I go mile 20. I'm like, okay, so we're good. I'm back on pace with my watch. It says mile 20. We're on mile 20. And then I keep going. And then, of course, then like as fast as mile 20 came, I saw mile 23. And I was like, what the fuck just happened? I just saw mile 20, literally a quarter of a mile back. How am I already at mile 23? So then I start running backwards, seeing if I missed a sign, if I missed an arrow or anything like that. And I didn't. So then I had to stop a runner to ask. I'm like, hey, this says mile 20. This one says 23. I'm so confused. They're like, it's a loop. You have to do two loops. But there is no indication that it's a loop. There's no indication of that is, you know, for the second loop or anything like that. It literally, there's a little spot under it that says loop one, but it could be totally missed if you're not focusing on it. Um, And so I'm over here running. I'm like, okay, so it's a loop one, then I'll loop around. I keep running. And then I'm supposed to be on mile 23 thinking, okay, I'm making my second loop. And then I all of a sudden see mile 25. And I'm like, what in the actual fuck is happening right now? Like, I am so frustrated at this point. I am so confused at this point. And the insane thing is you have to pass the mile 20, uh, mile 24 marker, sorry, the mile 24 marker to go back to your second loop while you're still two miles behind. 
Like, it makes absolutely no sense. And so I, you know, they had a biofreeze exhibit and then like the staff and I'm pulling over. I'm like, I am so confused. Did I miss where the second loop veers off? Like, I don't know. And he didn't know how to help me. And I was like, what, what good are you? But thanks anyways. So I'm asking other runners, hey, what mile are you on? Did you see the second loop? All of these things. They're clearly annoyed with me, which hindsight, I would be annoyed with me too if I'm asking. But just everything about this race was just poorly signed. Um, and so that killed more time, me trying to figure that out. Eventually somebody, you know, let me follow them. They said, no, the it's after this mile, then you loop around. So then I finally found where you loop around and then I go to take my second loop and then now, and this loop, y'all, let me tell you, it's like 80% uphill. So me walking back because I was confused was walking back downhill just to walk back uphill. And, and this is pretty much all where my time just went to shit. When my mindset and I was just so frustrated, I was done with it. I was crying. I was fed up. I, you know, everybody says marathons are hard and they're a mental battle. And I was prepared for the mental battle of the fatigue of my muscles and cramps and all of that stuff. I wasn't prepared for the mental battle that was a confusing ass course. Like that was the last thing I was prepared for because you would think like they had signs, like big ass signs with arrows. No, all they had was little spray painted arrows on the ground. And I'm sorry, but everybody tells you not to run while staring at the fucking ground. Like you stare ahead, not at the ground. And so usually they have signs like on, you know, kind of like the garage sale signs where they're like white picket fence type shit. And you're, you know, not white picket fence, but you know what I mean? Like the fucking styrofoam signs that when you're standing looking forward, you can see them not painted on the ground. Um, so anyways, this whole like mile, you know, one through 13, I was averaging 11 to 12 minute miles. I was averaging a 10 and 45 minute pace mile. I was killing it. And then the second half, all of, you know, between getting lost and the frustration, I still averaged a 13 minute mile for the first few miles. I got back in my groove a little bit. And then the second time getting lost, it just shot me. Like it shot every ounce of hope and prayer I had. I was deathly afraid of getting my cut off because I knew I was getting close to it. Um, and I was still fearing DQ. Like I was just all of these things. And so I finally figured it out, but not after, like, I just had to walk. Like I just walked three miles there. I wasn't even tired. My body wasn't even exhausted. I was mentally spent. I was pissed off. I didn't want to be there anymore. I was crying. I was mad at myself. I was mad at the course. I was mad at the bystanders, which I shouldn't have been because they weren't being helpful. Like I was just mad. And I called my coach again, telling her, you know, I finally figured it out. And she was just talking to me. She's like, Allie, you've just got to keep going. Like you can't stop. You've just got to keep going. And I had to remind myself, I did not come this far to only come this far, regardless of if the results are official or not. I said I was going to do this. I am 20 miles in. Ali, you are not going to give up when all you have is a 10K left. That's all I could tell myself. Um, and then just as I was, you know, trying to pull myself out of this dark place, I see on the ground to finish. And it's the last stretch to the finish line. And it was mile 20. Um, I can't remember. It was like mile 23 or 24 or something. And I was like, Ali, you've got this. All we have is a 5K left. You can do this. All you have is a 5K left. And I just had to keep breaking it down for myself and reminding myself. At this point, I had done three and a half, 15 minute miles. I was walking. I was destroying my time because I was just exhausted of fighting. I was exhausted fighting the mental shit that was going on in my head. I was in such a dark place. Even the music wasn't helping. The audiobook books weren't helping. My headphones died. So then that wasn't helping. And I was just like defeated. You know, it's like so many times things get thrown at you and you get punches after punches. In the first few, you can, you know, it's kind of like if you're in a boxing match and the first few you can slide out and avoid and all these stuff but if they come keep coming at you you start getting exhausted and you start feeling defeated and eventually it hits you and that's what I felt like I I swayed you know I I avoided the first few punches and kept going and that last punch of that last getting lost 
was just, it's like the straw that broke the camel's back. I just was exhausted. I was defeated. Um, and so those three miles that I was in that loop, it took me all of an hour and a half to do those three miles. And I could have done more. I know I could have, my body could have done more, but my mind wasn't allowing me to. And sometimes, you know, no matter how strong we get, no matter how much we can prepare ourselves for the mental battle that is to come, nothing can prepare you for what you're going to feel in that moment. And the, the sense of defeat that I felt in that moment was unlike anything I've ever felt in my entire life. And I'm sure some of y'all have probably felt that before too, where you feel like nothing gives. Everything's been throwing at you. You can't catch a break. You're exhausted of fighting and nothing gives. And then you just, your body shuts down. It might be during your fitness journey, right? And you know, the jabs might be work or your relationship or whatever the case may be. And then eventually you just get exhausted and you feel defeated. And then your mind starts saying this must not meant to be. And then you start self-sabotaging. And I truly think that's what I did for those three miles. I self-sabotaged. Um, I went through the bio freeze, got them to bio freeze my knees and my hip because my right hip was fucking with me. And then I was like, all right, Allie, we've got to pull this through. And so I started jogging again, but I feel like my mind was so far gone at that point. I could only really jog for a song before I had to stop and walk again. And my thoughts just kept going, Allie, do what you did at the beginning. Before you were this crazy endurance runner, before you even wanted to had my marathon on the books, hell, before you even thought a 5K was possible, go back to the basics. And so I put on the music and I ran a song and I walked a song and I ran a song and I walked a song and I cried and I cried and I cried some more. And then I finally saw mile 25 and I said, Allie, this is it. We've got one more mile, 1.2 miles left. And then I eventually saw mile 26 and I couldn't stop crying at that point. Like I was just I was so exhausted from fighting those demons in my head. I was so exhausted from trying to push myself um, to keep going that once I saw mile 26, nothing else mattered. I just I kept going and I kept going and I kept going. And eventually I crossed that finish line and it was like this 10 ton boulder that was just lifted off my shoulders. Um, and the fact that I finished that race with all the miles that I needed, regardless of anything, was just like the the icing on top of the cake. And there's nothing that prepares you for a finish when you have faced so much adversity, even if it's at the hand of yourself, right? You know, I was mentally prepared for the body fatigue, like I told you. I was mentally prepared for the muscle soreness. I was mentally prepared for, you know, the cramps or whatever the case may be, because again, it was 85 fucking degrees. But what I wasn't prepared for was the getting lost. I wasn't prepared for the lack of directions. I wasn't prepared for the confusing course. And that sometimes just, you know, happens and it took me off guard. And, you know, could I have done better? Sure. I know my marathon time could have been a whole hell of a lot better. I was on pace for a five hour marathon when I finished at five hours and 50 minutes. Um, But I'm not mad at myself. I'm not. I'm not pissed off at myself. I'm not upset with myself. I'm not going to sit here and spend the coulda, woulda, shoulda. I am simply proud that no matter what happened, at the end of that, I did what I said I was going to do. And I can't help but think of what other people would do in that position if they were me, right? I think so many people would have given up. They would have said, oh, well, I've already, I'm already lost. I'm 10 miles out. Like, there's no point. Pulled off the course. Like, they would have done all of these other things. And I was like, I didn't do that, right? I didn't give up. When life hand me lemons, I decided to fucking squeeze them bitches and make a fucking vodka tonic. Like I, I was just like, I've got to do this. Um, and so for that, I'm proud of myself, you know, hindsight, could I do stuff differently? Sure. And I'm excited to eventually do that stuff differently. But for me, this marathon wasn't about an official time. It wasn't about qualifying for anything. It wasn't about, you know, any of that. This marathon was for me. It was the last thing on my bucket list to do to prove to myself that you are a runner, that you can do this. And no one else 
needs to see my time but me. No one else needs to know that I did it but me because I didn't do this for everybody else. I did it for me. Sure, does it suck when I've gotten tons of questions of why it says I'm out of the competition? Yeah, it fucking blows. I emailed them. Hopefully, they'll update that seeing all of the results and knowing that I actually did it and all that. But if they don't, I'm not going to feel any different, you know. My coach has had to really talk to me because I'm not going to lie. I felt like a fraud, especially when I've had a few of y'all ask questions about why it said I was disqualified, why I was out of the competition. And in that moment, I felt very fraud. Like I felt like I was deceiving everybody. I felt like I was deceiving myself. I felt like this didn't even count. And I went through all of these negative emotions. And my coach just said, Allie, you ran 26.2 fucking miles. Regardless of what the official records say, you did that. You have it to prove to yourself and you did this for you. So what does it even matter what everything else, what everybody else thinks, what everything else says? And, you know, yeah, it's probably easier said than done, especially because I, you know, have almost 70,000 of y'all that hang out with me and I don't want, you know, that on me. But also I have to know that, yeah, I did this for myself and I know I did it. I got the medal regardless of what the official results say, you know, maybe they'll fix it. Maybe they won't. But I know that I did everything I could and I left that track, that course proud of myself. And I think that's all that really matters. I think what matters at the end of the day is that you're proud with your performance. Doesn't matter what other people did. It doesn't matter how other people performed. It doesn't matter how other people are going to perceive you. All that matters is that you are happy and you are content with the performance that you put on. And I can truly and honestly say that I am beyond proud and happy of the performance that I put on. Even if it wasn't my best, even if I know I could have done better, I'm proud of myself. And you know what? The first time you do anything is already a personal record. And so there's nowhere to go but here from there. And knowing that, you know, it gives me a solid foundation and it gives me things to prepare for next. And I always say every single time we fail doesn't mean we're a failure. It gives us a learning opportunity to come back stronger, fighting better than ever the next time. Right. Failing doesn't qualify as a failure. The only time we're a failure is if we give up. And I Whereas I might have quote unquote failed that marathon, I'm not a failure because I never gave up, regardless of what the official results say. And I can sleep good with that. And I can sleep knowing that I put everything I had in there except for my awareness, which we already can agree that my awareness skills fucking suck. So anyways, that is the marathon recap. Um, you know, my time ended up at 547. That's my watch time. I don't know what the official one is because it doesn't show me. Hopefully they'll update that. If not, I'm not fucking worried about it. Um, and that's, that's pretty much it. So anyways, I am going to get to all y'all's burning questions. I can't believe that took me 32 minutes. So we're just going to try to jump right into it. Okay. All right. Sorry. I had to pause y'all because I needed to go get water, pee, all the things and pull up the questions. So there's a fuck ton of them. So I'm just going to kind of rapid fire them. I honestly haven't proofread any of them. So we're going to try and not answer the same question multiple times. If I was a more prepared human, I would have had this all figured out, but I'm not. Nonetheless, I digress. The first question, how did you keep going when it got tough? And honestly, I only think I kept going because quitting was not an option. Like I went into that knowing that 26.2 miles were going to get ran regardless of anything. So when all the adversity happened, when all the things went fucking south really quick, fast and in a hurry, when it got tough, I just got tougher and I grit it down. And instead of looking for excuses, I look for solutions. And that is like, I know the most cliche thing ever, but that truly is my way of thinking in life. You can either look for excuses or you can look for solutions. You can't look for both at the same time. When I realized that I was a mile and a half away, you know, from the time I was actually on course, I was like, all right, so what's the solution here, Allie? Run parking lots. And so every single parking lot I came up to, I ran them and made up the time there. Um, and so I think the only thing that helped me when things got tough was that I knew giving up wasn't an option. And I think once you take quitting off the table for yourself, it gets so much easier to keep going when things get tough. 
Did you use a running coach? If so, is it worth the money slash what they do? Yes, yes, yes. 120% yes. If you are going to run a fucking marathon, you need a professional that knows what the fuck they're doing to help you. I could not have done it without my running coach. Um, her handle is running for pasta, I think. Hold on. Let me make sure so I can give her a shout out and you guys can find her. Um, but she literally helped talk me off every single ledge I was ever on during that entire thing. And I don't think I would have been able to finish that marathon without her. I don't think I would have been able to make it through fucking training without her. Yes. Her handle is at running for pasta and she truly did help so much. Um, it's worth the money. It's worth the investment, especially if you're doing like a distance, like the marathon, if you're doing like a 5k or 10k, you don't need a running coach, but if you're going for the longevity and you're really wanting to train smarter, then I would highly recommend signing up for a running with a running coach. Like I will definitely, whenever I do another thing, will use a running coach. Um, how was the route? I am local to Nashville and this would be a good one for me. It fucking sucked. Don't do it. I think that answers that one. <laughs> what was your official time? I don't have an official time because you guys, that was already answered. Do you, did you ever think about quitting the race? If so, how many times and at which points? I will say quitting wasn't an option. Like I would think about it, but I knew that wasn't an option, but it didn't stop me from thinking about it, especially the second half. Um, how much easier it would be if I just could quit, how much easier things would be if I, you know, whatever. Um, so I did think about it, but the only things that, like I said, it, it was a fleeting thought because as quick as it entered my mind, I also knew it wasn't an option. And so I didn't really entertain it. Um, I just kept entertaining the fact that I needed to put one sneaker in front of the other. And so anytime the idea of quitting went into my mind, I was like, Allie, one sneaker in front of the other. You're too far to quit. You're too far to quit. It's too far to walk back. Um, and so that's what really helped keep me going. Did you have any pain while running shin splints? So I did not have, I don't really have shin splints and I truly do think it's because of the shoes I wear. Y'all, it is so important to go get fitted for proper running shoes. Go to like a fleet foot or fleet feet, fleet feet, yeah, fleet feet, whatever it is, um, and go stand on their little machine and get size for the right shoe for you. Shin splints are usually due to proper in proper form, but also in proper shoes. Um, but I did have knee pain. So my left knee is fucked from years and years and years and years of cheerleading and being on my knees and falling on my knees, not being on my knees like that, you little nasties, but you know, like falling on my knees from failed stunts and tumblings and stuff like that. Not from the nasty. I knew y'all went there. Um, and so my knees were pretty fucked. So I did have to do biofreeze on my knees um, after the first half marathon. And then my right hip, because I walk a little, like I run a little bow-legged. And so I put a lot of pressure on my right side. Um, my right hip started feeling hurtful. So I put some biofreeze on my right hip. Um, but I'm feeling good now. So I think it was just like in the moment there. Will you do another? That is the burning question. Y'all, I've had so many of y'all ask that question. Will you do another? Here's it. Will you do another? What's next? Is there something you're preparing for now? Um, so I'll answer that at the end, but we'll, we'll hold on to that one. So next question something I wasn't prepared for. And I think the only thing I wasn't prepared for was one, the heat. I did not pack nearly enough salt um, because it was 85 degrees pretty much my entire race. And when you're sweating that much and it's that hot, you need salt. And because I ran out of it towards the end of my race, I got cramps pretty bad. Luckily, there was a uh, like a medic station where they had salt packets, so I was able to salt up. But I will say that was one thing I wasn't prepared for. I wasn't also prepared for how fucked up the course was, so the mental battle that came with the course. And so if I could do it differently, I would pre-check out the course and make sure it's a good enough course that I'm not going to get super lost and confused in. Um, and then also make sure that I have everything for the weather ample amount. So another thing I was, whenever I went to the race, I only took so many, um, of my like gels with me of my, um, running 
fuel because I expected some to be on the course. And they had some at one station, but they didn't have any the rest of the time other than, you know, Gatorade. And so I should have brought more running fuel. And that's one thing that I should never rely on is theirs. Um, even if I have to run with two running belts, I needed to make sure I had more fuel. So I think those were the things that really I wasn't prepared for that kind of stumped me during the race, but it was nothing that I couldn't get over and find help. Um, luckily with big races like that, the medic stations and all that have a lot of things for you to be able to use if you are struggling. Also sunscreen, y'all, it was hot as balls and the sun was out with a vengeance. So I should have brought a little travel sunscreen with me to reapply. Um, so I did get a little, little toasty on my face because I didn't reapply. I've had a lot of y'all ask questions about training. So the training was a four month process and, you know, training for my marathon will look different than training for your marathon and vice versa. So my biggest thing and suggestion is making sure you have a great running coach or you have somebody you trust to help you with your plan um, and know that it's going to look different for everybody. But I did do a lot of training, you know, mentally just preparing myself for all the stuff that could go wrong that I thought could go wrong like my body giving out or my feet cramping up or my knees hurting or anything like that I I mentally prepared myself for all those things so when that they did come if they did come I wasn't caught off guard um and so when the right hip pain started when my knees started acting up a little bit I wasn't caught off guard or taken back by it because I'd already planned for it and and prepared myself for it so I think that's a big thing is making sure you can think of things that could go wrong and prepare yourself as if they already are going to go wrong. So when it happens during the race, you're not thrown for a fucking loop. All right, next question. What's the hardest part of actually running a marathon? Honestly, the mental battle. I truly think the hardest thing is to conquer your mind during that. Y'all, you have to think you're on your feet for five hours to six hours. If you're faster than me, you're probably on them less, but you're on your feet for an extended amount of time. That is a lot of fucking time to be with your thoughts. That's a lot of time to overanalyze analyze, overthink, to get in your head. That's a lot of time for things to happen. And if y'all are like me, your mood changes with the wind. And so I truly think the hardest part about running the actual marathon is to allow yourself mentally to run the actual marathon. Um, trusting your training, knowing that your body can do it. Your body can do pretty much anything. It's your mind that needs that convincing. And so really just kind of trying to conquer your thoughts and conquer your mindset and get yourself out of a dark place if you're in it in the midst of that run, I truly think that's why most people don't finish marathons or don't do them again is because that's a lot of time to be with your thoughts and it can seem very uncontrollable. Um, and so really just kind of managing all those thought processes. All right, moving right along. Next question. Congrats. Favorite part of the course. My favorite part of the course was going through Broadway. So when we ran through Broadway, like the energy was immaculate. The people were great. They had water guns like shooting at you. The signs were hilarious. Like just reminding us like we paid for this shit. A lot of them were saying the 13.1 is the better half because a lot of people were just running the half marathon. Um, they had ones saying, you know, keep running. And yes, I'm checking your ass out as you're going like just reading the signs they were hilarious the people had great energy the stages you know the music was great there was it was just a really fun atmosphere they had free shots on the side like it was just it was immaculate energy so definitely my favorite part of it was going down Broadway the whole first half of the marathon the whole first 13.1 miles was the best experience of my entire life I do think that they did neglect the second half the the second half was very underwhelming didn't really have much energy didn't really have many people it just was it lacked luster um so i really did think they just put too much energy into the first half and none in the second so a lot of people lost steam that second half which you could tell by just everybody walking and nobody had that energy because the the energy was just missing from the crowd all right, next question. What was your mantras? So I had a couple that really played loud that I can remember right now. I'm sure I had some fleeting ones that came up, but the two prominent ones that came up in my mind was you didn't come this far to only come this far, especially because that second half was such a mind fuck for me. I had to repeat that one to myself 
so many times, Allie, you didn't come this far to only come this far. The other one is one foot in front of the other, sneaker to pavement, one foot in front of the other, sneaker to pavement. And those are two really big ones. The second one, you know, I had to say that one a lot during the beginning of my training, but also during, you know, when I first started running. And so that one is something that I've had for a year and a half. Um, Another one that I had replaying throughout my head, be the 1%. I kept telling myself, Allie, be the 1%, be the 1% that doesn't give up when things get hard. Be the 1% that will finish a marathon because the grand scheme of things, like 1%, less than 1% of runners actually will run a marathon. And I just wanted to remind myself, like, you did not come this far to only come this far. All you have to do is sneaker to pavement and you've got this. You've got to trust your training. And so those are the ones that really helped pull me along as things got really, 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 really hard. Another question is, did you listen to music or podcast? I listened to an audiobook until I had to really focus and pull myself out. And then I listened to my running playlist. And I actually have my running playlist in the link in my bio on Instagram. If you want to go to my Instagram, you can pull it up. You can see all my Spotify playlists there. It's at Allie Griffith. All right, next question. At what point did you use your supplemental glucose, stuff like goose. Is it per so many miles? So it just depends on you. It depends on, you know, your training. Um, me and my coach, we decided together that I would do it every 30 to 40 minutes. And so I took my, um, glucose, my, you know, not my, I guess it is kind of glucose. Um, but goose, I use like a, a fruit juice kind of goo because the real goos when it's hot mess with my stomach. Um, and so I did that every 30 to 40 minutes until I ran out of them. And then I was kind of fucked and I had to figure out what to do at that point because I did not pack enough expecting them to have some on the course, which at that point they didn't. So, um, yeah. And then I had liquid IV to help replenish the sodium in my body that I was losing by sweating like a whore in church. Like it was just, it was bad. And then I also um, had to stop at the medic and get some salt and stuff like that. So that was the supplements that I use. All right, next question. What are your marathon essentials? Definitely water. Like you don't wanna have to rely on them for their water when you need it. Have a water belt with you with two water bottles and they'll refill them as you go. Have Make sure you have enough of the goos that you use which is your intermittent carbs for running or your fuel, have enough of it. Don't rely or expect them to have it where you need it. You need to keep it. You need to have it. Um, so I would definitely next time the shorts that I wore under my, my running shorts to prevent my chafing as much. I usually have pockets in them. Those ones I didn't, I should have wore the ones with pockets to have more storage, to be able to put more of my fuel. Um, make sure you, carry your anti-chafing stick with you. Do not only expect it to last during the whole marathon. Bring it with you. I had to reply it three times and I'm glad I brought it because I made sure that it made sure that I didn't have a lot of burns and I only had very minimal burns from chafing, which I am so ecstatic about. Um, Also, make sure you've got the salt that you need. Just don't expect them to have anything. Like go into this race like it's gonna be a long run and you have to have everything on you. Don't expect them to have anything um, because anytime you expect them to have something likelihood they might not and then you're fucked so make sure you have the salt that you need if it's really hot and you're sweating a lot make sure that you have the carbs that you need make sure you have the fuel that you need make sure if you're a bigger woman like me that you wear shorts under your running shorts like bike shorts eight inches don't make them shorter to help prevent chafing Um, make sure you bring your chafe stick also I made sure that I brought my charger pack for my headphones so I could charge them when they did die during my run and then I was able to finish the run with them Um, and I think that's really all that I had for my marathon essentials all right next question what was something you would do differently aka for a first time marathoner. I would check the course and make sure I am very, very, very comfortable and accustomed to it and not expecting them to sign it very well or making sure that I feel that I 
I choose a course that I am confident in. I can't expect for other runners to help me or for, you know, them to have great signing. I have to know where I'm going and make sure I'm comfortable with that. Um, I would also make sure that I had enough fuel. I don't expect them to have anything. Don't expect them to have the water when you need it. Expect them to have the fuel when you need it. Make sure you have it all for you with you. And also plan for the unexpected. Like anything that possibly could go awry, plan for it, but also plan for when things happen that are unexpected. That's one thing I didn't do. I planned for all the things I could have expected to go wrong, go wrong, but I didn't plan for myself when the inevitable thing that I didn't expect to go wrong does go wrong. And so just kind of preparing yourself for that. All right, next question. Looking back, things you would do differently during training, honestly, I don't think I would have done anything differently during training. I think my training prepared me for the marathon as the way it should have. Um, Maybe I would have added a little bit more variety. Maybe I would have pushed myself to go past the three hour mark. But honestly, hindsight, none of that would have made a big impact on my race performance that day and the things that did go wrong. So I'm really confident in my training. And I think that's something so important is you've got to be confident in the coach that you choose to help train you, but also your training and know that regardless of what happens on marathon day, it's not the biggest, as big of a representation of your training as just who you are that day and how that day unfolds. Your training gets you to that day. That day can go wrong for so many directions other than training. My training did not fail me. My mind did and the unknowns happening did. So I honestly loved my training process. I think I was trained very well for the marathon. The fact that I'm not fucking crippled right now speaks volumes to how well I trained for that marathon and how well my body got prepared for it. The fact that I can walk up and down stairs two days after the marathon when I ran a half marathon without a coach, without proper training, and I was crippled for almost a week. I am pretty satisfied with my training. So I wouldn't have done anything differently. I'm glad I hired a running coach. I'm glad I outsourced that. I'm glad that I had that in my pocket. And I honestly... Wouldn't do anything differently. Moving right along, can you stop at all or is it continuous running? Yeah, you can stop anytime you want and walk. Um, I did not run the whole thing. I walked some of it. Like I said, y'all, I walked up the hills at the beginning and ran the flats. And then towards the end, I ran, I mean, I walked a solid three miles when my mind was in the fucking gutter. So yeah, you can run, you can walk. You just have to be conscious of the time cut off. So after six hours, you get a do not finish. And if you don't hit a certain point at time, I think it was like 21.2 miles at a certain time of the day, um, they wouldn't let you finish the race. So you just had to be well aware of that. But yeah, you can walk, you can run, you can jog, you can pray, you can do anything you fucking want. All right, next question. What if you have to go to the bathroom or need more water? So they have water on the course, and if you have to go to the bathroom, they have porta potties. So the great thing is they had porta potties lined up every so many miles for those that needed to go to the bathroom. I personally didn't, and I drank a shit ton of water and I had a lot of fuel. So I think it was just like the adrenaline of the race that made me not have to stop and go to the bathroom, but I didn't have to go to the bathroom at all during it. All right, next question. Now that you've done it, what is a piece of advice you would have given yourself yesterday? I would say expect the unexpected. Expect that things you don't even think could go wrong would go wrong and know that you're strong and that you can get past it. I, for there a moment, you know, didn't think I was strong. I was beating myself up. I was being my worst critic and I wish I could have just taken myself out of there and said, Allie, shit happens, buckle the fuck up and do it. And I would have also told myself is be aware, be hyper aware of where you're at, what you're doing, be in the moment instead of zoned out. Um, because I can't help but think if I was in the moment and not zoned out, that would have never happened. And I would have never got lost. Uh, fave running shorts and tops to train in. I love my Nike running shorts and these like cropped tanks from old Navy. I have them linked in my, um, fitness fashion favorites highlight on Instagram. Um, did you cry? I fucking cried like a baby. I cried 
happy tears. I cried sad tears. I cried frustration tears. I didn't even know I had enough salt in my body left to cry by the end of it. I think I was just making ugly faces thinking I was crying, but I had literally nothing in me left to cry. Um, yeah, I cried nonstop. Did you have any armpit chafing or under boobs or legs? No, but that was only because I knew where I chafed. Literally, I had my husband bathe me in my body stick, my anti-chafing stick before I started the race. So I put it under my flaps of my arms. I put it under my boobs. I put it where the bra cuts. I put it where my leggings come. I put it under my thighs. Like I put it everywhere that I normally chafe, um, where the straps of my shirt are just to make sure I didn't. And then anytime I felt like I was getting a little, like it was getting a little raw, I would reapply. I would walk and reapply. So just kind of being hyper aware. And the only way you know where you you dig and you chafe is is by your training. So the more training I did, the longer the runs I did, I realized where my clothes like caught. So I was able to do that and reapply off. All right, next question. How often did you feel you need to refuel? I've done a half and know where I start within part two fuel. I know where my body wants more eight miles and a half. Curious about a full. If you're only doing it at eight miles, you need to feel more. There's formulas out there by way smarter people. My coach figured it all out for me, but you need to fuel usually every 30 to 40 minutes. So if you're only fueling once during a half marathon, girlfriend, you are under fueling yourself, which causes injury and you could be running so much better. So make sure you're fueling properly, get a running coach to talk to about it or do some research um, and find one of those formulas for how many carbs you need per weight for fueling during a race. My coach calculated all that for me. All right, another question. How are you planning on getting back into running post-marathon? I struggled with getting back in after my marathon. It would always take months and months off. I think, I mean, I'm honestly just listening to my body. So I'm gonna take this week to walk and recover and do light things. And then I'll see how I'm feeling next week. I'm really just taking it day-by-day basis how I'm feeling but I miss running like I wanted to go on a run today because the weather's great and so I think you know the big thing is just reminding yourself that you love this like you're doing this because you love it why take a break off of something that you love and know that you can now run without the obligations or the feeling of the pressure of marathon training that is one thing I am so excited about this summer is being able to just run without the pressure of marathon training if I want to run two miles I'll run two miles if I want to run four miles I'll run four miles If I want to run six, I'll run six. If I want to run one mile, I'll run one mile. So just really getting to rediscover that love for running and just doing it because of the pure joy of it. And I think that's one thing that really is helping me get excited about post-marathon running is being able to rediscover the joy in it and getting to do it on my terms versus having being forced to do a certain amount of mileage because it's what's best for my marathon training. All right, the last burning question everybody wants to know, now what, what's next? After you do a marathon, are you wanting to do a triathlon? Are you wanting to do an Ironman? Are you wanting to go do another marathon? Are you ever going to do another marathon? I've had this question asked more times than I can even count. And my answer is simple and which, you know, it kind of hurts me that you guys think that like I would be a one and done marathoner. Like you guys don't know me by now. You guys don't know how overly competitive I am. Y'all don't know how much I just like refuse to give up on anything. Um, There's definitely another marathon in the books. I have already been talking with some of my clients to see if they want to do one with me. Um, I'm between two marathons right now. There's a local one in September that is a pretty flat course and it didn't look confusing at all. And then there's one in December in San Antonio, um, the same series I did this one, the rock and roll series but a lot simpler of a course. And so I'm just kind of deciding which one I wanna do. Pretty sure I'm gonna do the San Antonio one because marathon training during the summer sounds very uninteresting to me. So at least that'll let me do it towards the end of summer to fall so I won't completely die during the Georgia scorching summer because y'all, it gets like humid as fuck and upwards of 100 degrees here. So leaning towards doing a marathon in December, And that'll be, you know, 
just another really great example to prove to myself I can do it. My goal for that one is two things. One, not get lost because we know how fucking bad that sucks. But also I really want to do it without having to walk at all. So be able to run the entire marathon. So those are my two goals for the next one as I push. I have a really solid base. I'm excited that I'm going to be able to push for a better time and push to, you know, push myself outside of my comfort zone and to be able to keep fighting. And we'll see how that goes from here. I'm really just excited. I'm excited for the journey. I'm excited to be able to keep challenging myself. I know like this is not the end. It's only the beginning. And, you know, yeah, it sucks that my first one was so rough mentally, physically, emotionally, whatever. But it also, I'm glad because I got a lot of the unknowns out of the way. So when I do run my next marathon, I'm going to be seriously prepared for every single thing that's to come. And I know that I'm going to be able to blow my first one out of the water, which I'm really, 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 really excited about. So anyways, I think that's really all. I know I talked y'all's ear off for over an hour, but I know I had a lot to cover and y'all had a lot of questions. And just if I can give you anything is go do something that scares the shit out of y'all. I know so many of you guys said, you know, I run half marathons. I've never run a marathon or I've run 5Ks. Like I could never even fathom running a marathon. And just think, do you only run the 5Ks, the 10Ks, the half marathons? Do you only work out at home? Do you only work, do these things because it's comfortable and it's what you're used to and ask yourself, is it helping you grow? Y'all doing things that scare the absolute piss out of you is what's going to help you grow. And if we're not growing, we're dying. And I am sorry, but I am not going to ever stop chasing the unknown. I'm never going to stop chasing to be able to prove myself wrong, to be able to go outside of my comfort zone. And even saying running a whole marathon without walking scares the shit out of me. And I know that that's what is going to help push me to be a better me, to help push me to do better, be better, and see better next time. And so maybe you can ask yourself this, what am I doing right now that is in my comfort zone and what can I do to get out of it? Or what am I avoiding that scares the shit out of me because it's outside of my comfort zone and that could completely change my life? Let that be your driving force for your next goal. So Anyways, I hope this was helpful. If you enjoyed this episode, please scroll down, click that five star, leave me a sweet message. Let me know what helped you about it. Also tag me in your Instagram stories and share it. I love to reply with a voice memo or a text and say thank you and share it on my Instagram stories. It really, really means a lot to me to be able to see y'all enjoying this content and enjoying these episodes and and being able to share that with your friends and family and, and share the messages with them. Okay. And so I'm going to leave you like I leave you every single time in a world full of bitches. Be that bitch, whatever that bitch is to you. I love y'all and I'll see you next Tuesday. Bye.